Welcome, everybody, to the What We Do Season 3 finale live from the Philly Vintage Flea. We have an extremely special and uh, just innovative, may I say, podcast today um, with, two, with two, uh, two local uh, vintage store owners. Today we have Prophet of Zooted Vintage and Ben of John Supply at the table with us. Um, and we're going to talk all about what it's like to be a vintage store owner in uh, 2022. Um, let's start it off. I mean, this event has been dope. Uh, ben, I know you're, I know you're vending here today. Um, what's your opinion of, of the event so far and events in the past like this? It's great. Um... I love doing these events. Yeah. I love just like connecting with people. Again, part of having like the shop. I just love being in person, selling to people in person. So this brings that aspect of it. Like, so people that just sell on Instagram can kind of like get a part of that too. So it's cool. I like you know getting everyone together and CNTs for sure. There's a lot of a lot of internet friendships made real yeah. today. Yeah, for is, sure. Which is definitely cool. Um, so to kick it off, first question I have for you guys is: is how important are these events to vintage resellers and like? Where does it kind of fit into your, like, business ideas of, like, is this an important place to reach new customers, or is it an important place to get your, your name out there, even if you have a store mm-hmm. that people can go to? Mm-hmm. Profit, you want to kick it off? Um, I think it's really important because, like, when you have a store, you still have to stay in touch with the community. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, people get stores, and they become, you know, Hollywood, and they kind of, like, disappear, and they feel as though, you know, they're too good to do a lot of things. But you got to remember where you came from. A lot of us started off vending at some of these events. Um, I made a lot of long-term relationships with a lot of people at these events so I always make it my duty like right now we're short staff within my store but I just closed down for these couple hours just to come and do the interview you know you got to make time for um, events like this because without these people at these events you, you don't have a market so yeah. for you not to you know make time and come out or um you know, spend a couple of dollars here and there, even if you just hit the five dollar pile, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. As a store owner, you're so um, disengaged that you can put all the vintage stuff in your store that you want. But if you're not coming to stuff in your local community, that doesn't mean that your local community is going to be buying the vintage stuff that's in your store. Yeah, for sure. Ben? Yeah, uh, it's it's cool because I've been doing events like this, you know, before I had the store and then like during opening the store and then while I have the store. So like I remember the last event. I did, uh, I did, the day after that, I was doing my grand opening, oh, so it was like, that weekend was just ridiculous, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I guess I've seen it from both sides, I'm sure you have too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but it's just cool to see, like, people that don't have a bigger platform come to these and be able to be like, oh, shoot, like, I can do this, like, yeah. people can make a full-time job out of it just from events being, like, held like this, so it's, it's helpful to everyone, and, you know. Shout out to Justin and Dakota for helping shout us out. out. Shout out Juicebox, shout out Justin yeah. and Dakota. Um, you guys have obviously done good and bad events. What are some things that like stand out to you as like must-do things to make an event go over smoothly? Um, I think the main thing is be authentic. Um, I think a lot of people try to do things, and just in general, like even with life, right? Like um, a lot of people try to do things, but they're not authentic. So like if you're doing like an vintage event, for instance, and when I walk in, I just feel like I'm at like a regular sneaker con. That's a problem. Like yeah. here, um, you can tell that this is a vintage event. If you look around, the way people had the freedom to set up their their booths and things of that nature, it's giving straight vintage. You know, it's the culture. I've been to a lot of different vintage events, and I felt like I just was at sneaker con yeah. because the I call them artists, not vendors. The artists um, had the ability to have freedom with their booths. So I think that's one of the things: letting everybody have freedom to be authentic in what they're selling. For sure. For sure. 
Yeah. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> what, what what makes a great um, vintage event a great vintage event? Right. Okay. I wanted to just like. Okay. <laughs> um, so for me, I feel like every single time I've done an event, it's always you know different. Every single time you do one, you learn something new. You figure out like this went well, this didn't go well, and like every time I try and implement a new um, like aspect of my booth that's gonna you know test see if this does well. So something I've always done is like when I first started doing them, it was like start just one big pile. Like everything's ten bucks, take it all. Like that's what I started doing, and then I kind of more from there like okay people like cheap stuff so let's get the really good stuff and let's put it you know 30% off 40% off market value um so yeah, I think like like you were saying too like being authentic to yourself like don't try and like do a little bit of everything just like do you and just like do it right yeah, yeah absolutely one of the conversations that I've had with Justin and Nakoda is about like size of the event and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know you, you mentioned places that feel like sneaker con- sneaker cons I've heard thrift con can feel that way where there's a lot of people in one room and I was just wondering like from a from a vendor perspective like do you consider that when choosing an event to vend like if there's a crazy amount of people where you don't really know the people who are going? Um, I did ThriftCon. Um, it was a good event. It was just, it was a lot of people. Like, and what people have to understand is when it's a lot of people like that, it makes it hard. And I, I think people think the more the merrier, but no, like yeah. when you're vending at events, I think uh, this is actually perfect. Yeah, in my I opinion. Um, I was able to do well at ThriftCon simply because, you know, we're established. Like, a lot of people know who we are. But a lot of people that wasn't well-established there, you could tell, like, people just were bypassing them. And it's not because the people didn't have good stuff. It's just, it's so many vendors. It's like, yeah. you go to you go to Disney World, you're not going to go to every ride. It's impossible. Sure. I mean, unless you just stay there the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think a lot of people need to focus on their local. You got to start on the ground level. Start on your local and then build your name up. And then once you build your name up, you can do the bigger events because people are going to know who you are. So they're going to want to go see you. Um, so like what they've done with this event is perfect because even if you're not a big name, or I don't want to use the word big name, but even if you're not you know, known by a lot of people, you're still going to be seen. You know, a lot of times you go to the bigger events and it's just it's just overwhelming. It's too many people. Yeah. Do you feel the same way, Ben? Yeah, I, I went to ThriftCon as a buyer. I didn't vend, and I wish I did because ThriftCon was dope. It was it was mm-hmm. it was killer. Like yeah. everyone, I think did really well that I talked to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think one thing with it is like always staying authentic to yourself, like we were saying. But uh, like the way you set up your booth is like huge at these events, like. You really got. I feel like as store owners, we kind of figure this out because how you set up your store matters, and like how you like yeah. rotate your inventory matters. Like that's how you sell more stuff. Yeah. So like, I feel like that's an advantage for people that have a shop. They know like how I set up my stuff actually matters. You get people. I mean, people like keep doing it and they learn like, oh, I set up like this one time and did more money. But I think the progression of like setting up your booth is very uh, important for people doing stuff like this and. That's definitely something I learned through doing these events. Yeah. For sure. Um, staying on the theme of, of um, being true to yourself, how do you guys approach the curation of your inventory at your physical stores? Um, Profit, you want to start with that one? For me, it's like I kind of let the – when I first started off, it was what I liked. I mean, but that's fool's goal at, at some point because that ain't going to keep you in business. So – I try it's certain things that I will say no and putting in my store just like I'm not feeling that um, because it's like trendy what I do is I try to see what do I like first and how how and I know it's gonna sound weird when I say it but how close 
can I curate to what I like that other people like too? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, like I'm really into like the workers stuff, um, the Carhartt, of course, Dickies, the um, Forest Hunter pants, like stuff like this. Um, I'm really into that. So I was putting that stuff in my store, and I'm like, I wonder if people like this. And sometimes people bite on it, and I'm like, okay, people are biting on this. So I'll just keep doing it. I'll, I'll force feed it. And then when it dies, it just dies, you know? So my main thing is with curating is like, I'm gonna start where I like, but I'm gonna try, I know it sounds so weird saying, but I'm gonna try to get as close to what I like and other people like, like, and that's just literally what I do. I just watch, like I just walked around here and I'm seeing what people are wearing, like, okay, these tan colors are looking good, these blue pants are looking good. Um, and I'm just putting that, putting those mental notes in my mind that, okay, when I go back to my store, we need more tan stuff, because I like tan, that's the earth, that's those earth tone colors. So I'm just literally looking and just saying, all right, well, they like this, I like that. Now there's people wearing things that's like, um, uh, I seen like, it's like, Blink hats and stuff like that. A lot of people are wearing that, which is cool, but I just wouldn't sell blinks in my store. Like that's something I just wouldn't do. So I would say, okay, well, people are liking blank hats. Maybe I could put like a little emblem on it or a little logo on it and sell it like that or put pins on it. But I see that blank hats are trending right now. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I just try to go off of what I like and then try to, I know it sounds weird, but try to match it with other people like too as well. Yeah, it's a great mix of like, doing what you like is why people follow you yeah. so it's like how can I implement that and like definitely like have stuff that I want maybe it won't sell but like it kind of shows my brand who mm-hmm. I am and then being like but I know people like it like this so if I can get an in, in between of those like yeah. that's huge yeah. um, personally I I'm all about like give me the 10 to 40 dollar tees like that's what I'm selling all day every day like I don't want I don't want like five hundred dollar tees in my shop. Yeah. I want I want fifty ten dollar tees in my shop. Like sure. that's like that's what I'm all about. Like I want to be able to like my brand on pars uh, like the the motto or the the logo or slogan for my brand is like saving the world one t-shirt at a time. So it's like if I can sell more t-shirts for cheaper and get more people that like I'd rather do that. I'd rather hook people up if I can get it for cheap. I want to give it to you for cheap. Yeah, like, most definitely. Like I'm trying to like. I'm not trying to like kill you on a t-shirt. I'm trying to sure, just yeah. show you love. Um, but I think like curation wise for me, I love, you know, Gorpcore. So like LLB and Patagonia, like all those outdoor brands, like I have a huge collection of that stuff, but in my shop, I also have like a ton of just the basic essentials of that stuff. Um, and I think when having a shop, it's like people really look at how can I style this? So like if you go into like a, modern day like you know urban outfitters mm-hmm. made well j crew like what are they selling you know you can see a lot of just a lot of those brands first off are just doing vintage clothing exactly like, they're just doing the design it, yeah exactly they're just doing vintage clothing or they're just taking exact rips of like 50 sweatshirts like 40s flannels like they're just doing that um so it's like i have this stuff and i can just like my wife shops at made well all the time and i'm like I have like this is like I sell this like you just, it's vintage but it's like the same thing like my yeah. flannels are the flannels they have my my chore coats are the chore coats they're selling like yeah. so just looking like shopping around in a mall and stuff like that and seeing like this is what like brand name people are selling yep. and just being like I have this in vintage like mm-hmm. absolutely and I'm cheaper yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm I'm not seventy five dollars for this like exactly button down I'm twenty five dollars for this button down like right right yeah. 
Ben, I wanted to compliment you. You're you're with on the topic of curation. You do a ton of cool stuff with John Supply, making blanks, printing on blanks yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. I saw your tote bags over there. Yeah. Are sweet. Yeah, that's um, hard, bro. Thanks. And also in your store, you have like section of like game stuff, which I think mm-hmm. you do with another person, right? Yeah, yeah. My brother actually does all the video games. So he's been like oh, doing wow. that for like two years now. Um, so we have like a good like I don't know, maybe like 150 games or something. Yeah. We do uh, uh, titles and we do consoles. Um, so he keeps those in stock, and I like. I let him do it for free because he's my brother, and it's also like he brings in like store displays and stuff like that, so it's sick. It just like goes hand in hand, and it's, it's yeah, it's fun, know, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's the cool thing about vintage stores is that there's we, we talked about this on our yeah, last podcast, so many like, different ways, so many different things that like you can find these things that mm-hmm. perfectly come together. Um, What's up? And stuff like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, we're we're live at the those river. those live those live flea. <laughs> I don't have any Picasso or Wu-Tang, just... (laughs) (laughs) You were wondering. Sorry. Um, No, no problem. Um, So, next I wanted to ask you guys, do you see any future of expanding into new locations? Is that something that you guys think about? Because obviously it's a very niche thing, vintage, and it's tough to open one store, let alone multiple. So, Profit, could you speak to that? Um, well, we're working on something right now. Uh, I don't like to really say stuff until, like, the ink is dry, but... um, I would say by 2023, we'll be in we'll be in multiple states. Um, I, like I never wanted to expand in the same state. I feel like that's just counterproductive. Um, but we are working on something currently as we speak right now. Um, we'll be in another state. Um, it's my home state of New Jersey, so we're working on that. Um, I think that it, you should always try to expand. You got to get in while it's hot. Vintage is hot right now. Um, where is it gonna go? A lot of people like we just don't know. Yeah, you know, um, we don't know if it's gonna uh, peak. We don't know if it's reached its peak. We don't know, like we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that um, the main thing when people look at expansion with their business, you should be looking to expand online. You should be more accessible online um, because it's getting to the point now. And I try to tell people like a lot of people they always say, "Yo, I want to open up a store," and I'm like, "Well." If you're not already open, it's kind of no point right now because the market is so, it's flooded. And you can literally be the number one supplier for a store as big as mine or a store as big as his. So why would you go and open up one? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just really, you're kind of hurting yourself. Because, fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, you're, 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 you're fighting people that's sitting here. Like, you know, not fighting literally, but you have to go against that grain. So... What's happening right now is, if you look at the market, a lot of people, yeah, they're coming to stores that's established or known. People like, you know, they've been tracking them or, you know, they've been vending at events for a long time. So, yeah, they're going to come check them out. But the a lot of people are just vending and not having stores. They're just eating online. And they're becoming very, very um, just accessible. Like, so I think if people who are watching this and they're even thinking about getting into vintage or even expanding, you should try to expand your brand so you don't even really need a store. The store is the second part of your of your um, of your brand. So for me, that's what we've been doing. Like we're expanding more or less like we're making our YouTube go to our website. We're making our Instagram go to our website. We're making the store go to the website. There are certain things on the website that you can't even get in the store right now. Um, and there's certain things in the store that you actually can't get in the website. But as far as expansion, yes, we are um, going to be expanding in New Jersey. Um, I'll make that announcement. I'll be sure to make sure you get dibs on that one. Um, but <laughs> hot scoops. If anybody's looking for expansion, try to expand online. Like make your business so virtual. Like so, when the metaverse thing pops off, the way it's gonna pop off, and and it's gonna go crazy. Um, that you're already like 
you're digitally in there already because that digital market, man, it's it's a lot of money. And I don't care what anybody says, no one's gonna walk in your store more than they shop online because online you're 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 accessible to millions. We just sold last week. We sent, we shipped three things overseas. They went to our Instagram, from our Instagram to overseas, you know, um, excuse me, from our Instagram to our website. So expand, expand. If people want to expand, try to make it so your website is very accessible. That's where you should be looking to expand the most. Um, What's your website? I would say. Ben, I hate to not give you a chance to answer, but I want to ask you another question. Yes. Going off of what he just said. Yeah, yeah, there's so many things in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, Why should people shop at a physical store rather than eBay? I mean, it's way cooler to be able to walk in a shop and just see a plethora of items. Like, personally, I love going in person and shopping. I've, I've always said, like, retail's dead, but, like, experiential retail isn't. So, like, if you make your shop, like, something different, then, like, that's what people want to see. Like, they don't want, like, online's going crazy. COVID obviously helped that, but yeah. if I can order something online and I know how that fits, I know, like, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'll probably just order online because it's easier. It's going to come the next day, yeah. but... If you want to, like, stand out as a store, like, it needs to be different. Like, it can't just be, you know, uh, a standard store. And, like, any vintage store is going to be different. Like, so so if your shop just has stuff that isn't available to other people or it's, like, every single item is different, I think that's huge. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of advantages to having a shop. I think there's a lot of advantages to not having a shop, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Would you... You guys can both answer this. Would you... I guess, Prophet, you did answer this, but would you recommend somebody who, um, I don't know, has two to three years into this and stuff's piling up at their house, but the sales online are coming through as long as they're listing? Would you say take the leap and try a physical store, or is there some other way to, you know, solve that dilemma? I would say no. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to crush anybody. It's not that easy. Yeah, sure, I, I don't sure. want to crush anybody's dream, but it's just like, look, man, like... <laughs> be blunt about it. When you're opening up a store, the first thing is the money. Do you have the money? Sure. sure. You might get the inventory. You might get. You might have everything set up. But you have to compete. And a lot of people, you're not. You're just not going to be able to do it. And I, I hate to like be that guy, but it's the truth. Like that's why certain teams you always see winning in the playoffs or in the championship with a lot of sports because. You have to have the relationships. And people that have already been established, they already have those relationships. So, yeah, you can have more money. You can have more inventory. You can have better inventory. But if you don't have the relationships, that's what's going to hold you back. Then another thing is you have to realize, as you just said, COVID made a lot of people not want to go inside stores anymore. Right. So why are they going to go inside of your store if you're just opening it up? And you could be in like in a small town that um, no one really ever even heard of and you say oh I'm bringing something new to this town right but if they didn't know who you are and that's why you're successful I'm pretty sure people knew who you were before you know what I'm saying so if people don't even know who you are you don't have those relationships no now how do you get in the game it's simple I have a store. He has a store. There's multiple people in here that have a store. Absolutely. You can be our consistent seller. You can be a consigner with us. Um, You can go, you can do your website. You can put stuff in his store, my store, and like five different stores. I have 14-year-old kids, 15-year-old kids that's making $1,500 a week just consigning sneakers and like they're giving us like two three pairs but they're picking up every week fifteen hundred dollars seven hundred dollars three hundred dollars why would you not take that money without an overhead right you know 
and then say, oh, you know what, I'm gonna do this on my own, I'm gonna take this leap. And usually when you take that leap, man, like, I felt having stores so many times, bro, it's like, I'm, I'm so blessed to even be sitting here right now, having a store in the largest retail mall, King of Prussia. That was failure, that was trial and error. Right now, if you fell in this COVID area, the odds of you bouncing back is so hard, bro. It's just, it's the funding's not there. Um, and I would just tell anybody, if you want to get into the game, make your life easier, do your website, and come to these events and network with people who are already established, because just people coming on your on your show and doing an interview, that's gonna get them customers right there. So I'm not taking I'm not taking the overhead, bro. I'm just not, I, I would say don't do it. That's just my opinion. I would say no. Yeah, I think off rip. It's like, I mean. I think everyone knows, like, opening a store isn't, like, it's not just like you open a store. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into it. And, I mean, like you were saying, like, someone has a lot of back stock. Like, is that, like, the move? Is the next pivot um, a store? And, like, I think opening a store is, like, a great idea if you can do it. But, like, how else can you be different? How can you be innovative? Like, you saw, like, Chris doing, like, the night, like, during COVID, he yeah. did the live streams and, like. Changed everything. Regardless of what you think of him, like. Yep. Even, like, if he changed before or after, whatever, he, he killed it. Like, he did something yeah. innovative and he's the one that did that and he made bank off it like he's doing like congrats like he yeah. did something innovative different and like that's dope so like there's other there's probably hundreds of other things that are available to do with vintage clothing that we don't even know about right now and right. I think like if you can come up with the next one of those yeah. like you, you see all these apps popping up now like uh, oh, there's someone here that was like for what's not or like these live streaming platforms yeah what's app and all that yeah so they're all start, yep. these are all starting now and they're all going to be probably like million dollar companies million yeah. tens of millions hundreds of million dollar companies and this all like kind of started from i mean it might not have but like that's the big name yeah i know so like there's uh, there's way more opportunities like that out there like a hundred percent they're out there yeah for sure um so last last big question i have for you guys is like what position do you think and we talked a little bit about this before but what do you think what position do you think that guys like you who have the brick and mortar store have in the greater community because like I feel like we all kind of have a different part to play in this larger community to make it work like you said there's no there's no sales if there isn't people at this event at events like this Justin and Dakota have a part to play by having this and making it available to everybody so that they don't got to go out and try to do their own event you can just sign up and get your and get your booth I, I think like to think we have a part to play like you said to put people on and yep. bring people that up in the Philly community who maybe aren't known like that yet Absolutely. and just give them a, a, you know our little platform to, to say what they will um, about what they think. Um, what do you guys think is your place, Ben, in this whole thing as brick-and-mortar stores? Um, like individually or like as a whole? Um, you know, what, what do you think a shop owner's responsibility to okay. the community is, I guess? Well, I mean, me, with being inside like the mall... I think, um, first and foremost, like that was hard enough. So I think it's to represent the community within the mall aspect as best as possible because it hasn't, it, it wasn't done until I did it. So I think that's number one to make sure that I'm representing this community well. Um, I also believe it's to really like being in the mall, right? Like. I'm not running into people that really know what vintage is. I know that sounds crazy. They they don't know. So my responsibility in doing this is I have to make sure when people leave my store, they have a great taste of what vintage is. It's not just used clothes and used sneakers. It's a community. It's a network. It's a culture. And it's a lifestyle. I think anyone who owns a shop 
your goal is to encourage people. Your goal, your goal is to teach people the right way to do it because a lot of people are doing vintage and they're just exploiting the whole entire thing and it's becoming very distasteful so you're seeing a lot of people that are in vintage right now saying hey man i'm done i'm over it like i, I want to get out um i think as a shop owner you own that responsibility especially like i said being inside of a mall um because people don't know what that don't know what this is man like yeah. it'll blow your mind they're like wait are you selling a used t-shirt for a hundred bucks like you know what i'm saying so right, exactly um the responsibility for me as a person that's within a, inside of a mall is to represent this culture to its fullest and be authentic about it but i think the responsibility as anybody that owns a store is to do the same thing do it responsibly and be genuine with it and just don't be distasteful with some of your prices like a lot of things shouldn't be costing what it costs and i think um we have to as a community come together and just monitor that like there's certain prices that you know i don't care if you had to dig in a in a, a garbage pile bro like that's not the price for that and i think we have to come together as a community and we need to start policing that a little bit more because people are getting away with murder and what people don't understand is the same thing with the sneaker community i was in the sneaker community when it first popped off and the reason why i started to fade was because the prices for a lot of sneakers just became uncontrollable to where now people are okay with wearing replicas well, it, it pushed me out of sneakers. You see what sneakers. I'm saying? Like, so I didn't have the money, and honestly, I'm not. I'm not fighting that battle. Yeah, like, I'll know, pick and, my shoes that I like. And, and that's what them. I'm saying. So it's like, so now if we've seen that happen with sneakers, and that's something that's that's way bigger than vintage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Imagine what's gonna happen with t-shirts, bro. Yeah. If you keep putting these crazy prices on things, as store owners and shop owners, you are gonna make people, no matter how much money that they have, they're not gonna want to do it anymore, and this thing is gonna die. Yeah. So I think. The responsibility of all shop owners, and I challenge all shop owners, police your pricing a little bit better than what it is, man. And I think that's the responsibility shop owners should take. Yeah, I think personally, you are, you have a, like, a platform, a, a physical space that people can come to, and a lot of people that are selling on Instagram, you know, like, I can't even imagine how much it, it, like the amount of people that have started doing this in the past like two years has increased. So you go on platforms like Depop, websites, eBay, the saturation of these things is like insane. So not only are, are you now competing with like 10x what it was like two years ago, like you have to you have to do something to stand out. So like as a shop owner, I want to buy off of everyone local. If you're sourcing at the bins, like if you get your stuff cheap enough to where I can buy it and still like hook you up, make you good money, yeah. and I can still sell it at the prices that I want to sell at because at the end of the day, I don't want people that are bringing me stuff to dictate the prices I want to sell at. Like, if you want to come to my store and like I think something is worth like twenty bucks and you're cool, like if me if I give you like eight bucks on that, like then like we can do something. But if you want, if I think something is worth twenty and you think it's worth fifty, that's where like the disconnect would be. Sure. But I like you just gotta get down with whatever yeah. the shop owner is doing, I guess. Um, but I like I feel like my responsibility is like if I can. Expand, grow, um, 
and give like if people know like John Spies place to get my vintage teas and you know maybe all these other like smaller Instagram accounts that can like feel that like let me give them credit and like let me sell those to other people and then let me cash you out so like I think being able to be someone that can like help pay other resellers and like help add to their bottom dollar is huge absolutely like I would if I if there was another shop in the area that I could do that to yeah. like two three years ago oh I'd be I'd be going there every other day, exactly. you know, like, I'd be cashing out, so. It's a super unique thing about vintage is that, like, you know, you can be on the side of it's competitive or you can be on the side that it's collaborative. Like, you got, you got to think it's collaborative. If you want to, yeah. like, work together, if you want to... Uh, if you want to have a good some, time. Yeah, yeah, no, for real, like, yeah. Like, like, because... Cause, Granted, you can go out to a store a million times and not find shit and then hit one day and just hit them, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the mother load of Oh, things. yeah. And you have to rely on everybody going out in in as this giant army of people going out to yep. find this stuff and be willing to move it into the right hands that can provide that additional value of like they have a whole collection to go around it and so that's what makes them able to sell a jersey for two times the price or whatever you know what I mean or the expertise of when, what that when, is when you look at the like vintage community as a when you look at it as a collaboration as opposed to like competition you if you look at it as competition you're like mental health and like everything is just going to be like you're always on edge like you're trying to compete with everyone if you look at it as a community like take your wins where you can like hook other people up like it'll come back like you'll get hooked up at some point but that's something i've realized is like don't burn any bridges like be nice to people around you just like you should be a good business owner and like it'll come back to you like i mean for me like when I look at everything, you know me, man. I'm, I'm, I want to compete, but like nicely. Sure. Like I don't want to like see you like down sure. and out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I'm not no, like yeah. on, on that tip. But I do want to be number one. Well, no, no, you're right yeah. because that's the thing. Like, like, you know, my dad comes here. Mm-hmm. I want him to freaking kill it. Yeah, and, and sell more than anybody yeah. in this place. Oh, like, yeah. that's not that's not necessarily mm-hmm. trying to put other people down. It's like yeah. you want to drive to be the best. And I was talking to Sean about this, and I think some people take that and they they fail and they go, "Man, I'm a failure. I'm yeah, this, no. I'm that." It's like, no, maybe that wasn't your day. Maybe that wasn't your crowd. Yeah. Like, keep striving to make that collection yeah, you better. What you're bringing better. You gotta you gotta like push like. Like me, like every time, like every every day I get up, I'm like, all right, shit, like let's do this, like let's go, like let's see how far we can push it, like yeah. And I want to push, like, and I can make like a thousand one day, and then the next day, like I make like eight hundred. I'm like, oh fuck, that's not good. Like, like I'm very competitive in that nature, and it's for like the people that want to get into vintage or anything you want to get into, like. You really gotta like push yourself. Like you gotta challenge yourself to like really go for it because you don't want to look back and be like, "Fuck!" Like, Absolutely. did I really take this to the max? Did I really maximize on my um, potential? You know, like, because I look at certain situations, like especially like in vintage, where I'm like, "Man, you know, I paid twenty dollars for that T-shirt, but I could have got that for fifteen if I really like, <laughs> you know, said this, 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 and this, and this." And I think, like, that's what makes, like, myself and, and, and the gentleman next to me being able to sit here and you having your your, your, um, your podcast is because every day we get up, we push ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And we're consistently trying to, like, take it to the heights. And, like, and once you reach that height, you sit back and you're like, I did a lot of shit, bro. Like, I did a lot of shit in, what, two months or a year or, yeah. or seven years or whatever the fucking time it took. For sure. I think it's just, like, pushing yourself. And a lot of people, they're afraid to do that and I, I've been I've been um, you know just watching a lot of things and 
seeing a lot of people and I'm like, man, like you guys could be way greater than what you are if you just really like just say, yo, fuck it. Let me let me just go all in. Like, go all out, man. So a lot of people that's coming up need to do that shit. Like, just go all out, bro. Just try it. Yeah, just yeah. give it a try. It ain't, you're not going to fail. That's I mean, what you that, don't understand. That's a great part about Vintage is you don't need anything. Yep. You, can you get to a thrift store? Boom, you're in the game. Yeah. Like, you, your foot's in the door. This business is the margins are exactly like, yeah. you don't like it's they're crazy, not real man. they're not real margins nah, bro. Like, crazy, bro they would make real retail start store owners cry yeah, like, I have, oh my god what I have bought a t-shirt for one dollar and sold it for a thousand dollars like show me that margin literally anywhere else yeah, 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 yeah. bro it's crazy yeah 100% um, yeah I mean this has been great guys do you guys have anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here um Nah, I mean, like I said, like I, I just want people to start, um, cause I care about vintage community really a lot. I want like a lot of people, especially store owners, you know, let's start policing the pricing a little bit better, man. Um, I'm in King of Pressure Mall. Um, that's the that's one of the most you know that's it's one of the most people spend money in that mall, yeah, and I make sure that my my prices are very fair, and because I'm telling you, we keep some of these prices where they're at. It's gonna it's gonna start to to dwindle down. I've seen it with the sneaker community. That's why I'm speaking on it on here. If you care about something, protect it. A lot of now certain things, yes, I I understand that. But there are certain things that just shouldn't be what they are. So I just want every owner or vintage curator who's watching this. Start policing your pricing a little bit better. Start asking people, because I'll DM somebody like, hey, bro, what do you think this goes for? Like, um, uh, I think his name is Dope for Sale. He does, like, a lot of wrestling. I'll get a wrestling t-shirt, and I'm like, yo, what do you think this goes for, bro? Because I don't want to just put it's Stone Cold 300. Fuck it. Like, that's the, that's the bottom line on Stone Cold. You know, uh, I'm like, hey, what do you think this goes for? And I'm getting his opinion. Oh, bro, that t-shirt's, like, only 60 bucks. Okay, I'm putting it in my shop for 60 and that's the proper way to, to take that responsibility to actually care about this community that we have. Police your pricing a little bit better and so we can be in this for the long game because if we don't, man, I'm telling you, people are just going to be like, nah, I'll go make these shits myself and get them screen printed. Happens. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, um, I'm good. Just, uh, yeah. I would say my one thing is I feel like a lot of people here today, even like I hooked a lot of people up, um, a lot of people hooked me up. Just like treat your people right, they'll treat you right. And yeah, for sure. Awesome, guys. Um, go ahead and shout out your stores. Tell everybody where to find you on Instagram and all that. Oh, um, you can find my personal um, is uh, Vintage Profit. That's my personal page. Um, my damn, my home business page <laughs> is. Um, is a uh, uh, Zooted Vintage. We're located in King of Pressure Mall. Uh, we're right next to Macy's. Uh, come in, DM us. We got a website. Our website is uh, Shop Zooted Vintage. And check us out, man. I greatly appreciate it. We have really good pricing, as you can see. Um, so yeah, just come in, check us out, man. And if you're you know interested in open up your own store, whatever the case may be, I give good mental health uh, tips on my personal page. Or, um, and you know whatever, DM me, man. I'm always here to lend a helping hand. You know. Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, my shop is in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, so a lot of people know Westchester. It's like 10 minutes from Westchester, so uh, my shop name is John Supply. Uh, I have a lot more than tees. I do a lot of outerwear. I do bottoms. Uh, I do some hats. Um, but just, like, I like T-shirts, but I like to just do, like, the fashion of stuff. So if you like just getting, like, basic flannels, you know, pocket tees, bottoms, stuff that you don't see, like, every single vintage store, like, I try to have different stuff. Like, the summer's coming around. I'm about to drop, like, 100 pairs of shorts. Like, that's Sweet. not stuff you that's see cool. every day. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being Thank on. you for having me. I really yeah, appreciate for sure. it. This was mad fun. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, everybody at home watching and uh, everybody watching on the uh, re-released version next week. Uh, this is the end of season three. We made it through three seasons. There we go. Um, yeah. We'll be back with season four in the future. Um, if you want to know more about that, go ahead and follow Found Creative for all the updates about uh, the show going forward. Um, that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was great, guys. Awesome.